HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by The Green Grape. Hi guys, I'm Jamie Oliver and you're listening to Heritage Radio Network, a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, HRN is celebrating 10 years of food radio. How amazing. For the past decade, they've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias and so much more. It's been 10 years, and they're just getting started. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome, everybody, to the show, Life's a Banquet, as you heard in our theme song, the show that's edible, spreadable, and pourable about the highs and lows of all of that. Good one, Bratton. You nailed it. I nailed it. So uh, if you're just tuning in, this is our very, very first episode here uh, in the heart of Bushwick. Uh, We moved from uh, Fort Greene and Cobble Hill, uh, took a little tour downtown into the into the dregs of Brooklyn. Took the G to yeah, the so L. so here Got we off. are on Heritage Radio Network. Thank you, everybody, for listening. If you are just tuning in, Zara, should you t- you want to tell us who we are? Uh, I believe that your name is Bretton Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone thinks that you killed your wife, but really, a one-armed man did it. The only person that kind of believes you is Tommy Lee Jones. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> You're Bretton Scott. I'm Zara Tangora. And we're two chefs, cooks, uh, besties, and we're here to talk to you about the highs and lows of all things food and drink. Exactly. So each week, we'll take you through our subject of the week, and then we'll tell you about home cooking and the things we cooked and the parties we catered and the celebrities we cooked for and all the fabulous things involved and all the martinis we drank. So that being said, Zara, how was your it's been a long time. It's been a long time. So we try to, we don't try, we do record weekly for the yes. past 
27 weeks now and we took yeah. a couple weeks off we christmased we cooked we cleaned i laughed i cried i had a ball i, I went, had a cow <laughs> i went to ireland i went oh, yeah you went i mean why are you asking me what i did i didn't do anything you went to ireland i know Let's i'm like oh it. but oh i forgot to tell you <laughs> oh by the way i zoomed over to dublin and because uh, I really, really wanted to find out what uh, shepherd's pie and Guinness stew tasted like and actual Guinness. Uh, so we decided to go there. We, me and my partner, boyfriend, uh, Preston, Pre- Preston. Yeah. So uh, there we were on New Year's Eve and picture in, it and to picture it. <laughs> it was Sicily, 1930. <laughs> it was it was Dublin. It was. Uh, it was a little bit dirtier than I thought in terms of cute, the cute factor of a European Uh-oh. city. It had some gruffness, and the first thing I did was get fish and chips, which I was mildly disappointed from. I was there for 10 minutes, and the guy got so mad at the delivery driver, and Uber Eats dude shows up. In Dublin, there's Uber yeah, so Eats. Yeah, so I get all these recommendations to go to this fish and chips spot, which I will not name because I had a very bad experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's my first, you know, I'm, I'm there for 10 minutes and I'm walking with my luggage. I was like, I need fish and chips right now. And <laughs> like, I need fish and chips. And the guy got so mad at the Uber Eats driver. He's like, what are you doing? You're looking at me. He's like, I saw you there. <laughs> it was, it was very intense. And then, the, so I feel like he, while he was yelling at the guy, he made my fish and chips. Oh, he made it And angry. I felt like it was angry. When you ate it, did you feel angry after? Like, yeah, Preston and I got in a fight, and then it was horrible, but it's okay because we ended up going to another pub to, to fix everything. So. so right off the bat, you did not experience the luck of the Irish. Well, not right yet. Did you Irish goodbye anyone? Uh, wait, what's an Irish goodbye? When you leave without saying goodbye. Oh, I thought that was a ghost exit. Um, Phantom well, exit. Everyone in Ireland is a ghost. Oh, well, <laughs> I found out. So what was some of the highlights of your trip, food-wise? Um, some of the highlights were, well, I was expecting fishermen to be lugging off, you know, big rustic metal buckets of oysters and mm. mussels off the sea. And that that did not happen. The food culture is very quote-unquote behind the times compared to say Brooklyn Mm. or Amsterdam or London or anything so it's a little I never saw anybody eating so well they were drinking a lot of you know pub culture was a real thing what about potatoes well there is that anti there are a lot of potatoes with every meal you get big chips you know and somebody got mad because I called them fries and Uh oh yeah well it was there was a lot going on but we did go to one really interesting restaurant called the woolen mills uh, which is kind of modern, and uh, and the food was very delicious. You know, basically the best meal there for me was either a pint of Guinness or some kind of like red ale, mm-hmm. and then with a bowl of mussels, brown bread, Irish butter, and Irish butter is is a real thing. Yeah, uh, they had some seaweed butter. There were some really cool things. Oh, how fabulous! Uh, and then, oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, some of the other. It's just about the pub. It's about the pub culture, and I I kind of let go after a while. I was searching for the pot of, you know, the a pot, pot of gold, gold under the rainbow. I was like, I'm going to find the perfect bowl of mussels. That's a stereotype. Ste- you yeah. found it, but for you, it wouldn't be a pot of gold. It would be a steaming lava hot pot, a pot of mussels yes. under a rainbow. Yes. And we did have a couple of good mussels. And this brings me to the final part of my story. Oh, the bad which, muscle. Well, our flight was, uh, we had to get on the next day's flight because they were full long story. Uh, so we're in Dublin, so we were like, hey, you know what? This gives us one more chance to... Get we, you know, we went all over. We drove, <laughs> we rented a car, we went off the cliffs, you know, the cliffs of Moher and Galway, and and we went back and went to the oldest bar in the world, the oldest pub, Guinness Book of... Guinness, yeah, Guinness Book of World Records. And suddenly I looked, I said, Guinness? 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 This is, this is where the Guinness Book of World Records started. 
Anyway, so did that, you look up the tallest woman? That's kind of my favorite thing. Uh, I, she was not from Ireland. Big so people, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> giants. So that was it. So I ate a, I ate a muscle, and I got violently, violently ill the next morning. Uh, and I had to fly to Amsterdam, and Uh-oh. there was lots. I had to. I mean, I had to. Did you poop your pants on the plane? I ha- well, let's just say I was in the front row of the aircraft, and thank God, like I got it assigned. We got. Uh, we bought the seats the day before, so like, I know this man has food it's like poisoning. Ryan Air. So <laughs> sit in the bathroom. The showed time. up, and there I had already puked three or four times before that, and here I was on the plane. I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. And so I get up first. She's like, you can't get out of your seat. I said, I have to vomit. Like <laughs> I've Go got ahead. to vomit, <laughs> and I did. And there was no light in the bathroom. Come on, like, what are the chances of this? So I pulled on my pants. Oh, Breton. <laughs> I, I pulled because I was so. Let me tell you, this was the most sick, and I'm. I am a dramatic person. I like dramatic things. I'm not, but I don't have drama. Yeah. And I was. I just was like in disbelief that I could feel this poorly. Yeah. It was deathly. I could barely. It was like a cocaine. It was like you had fifty martinis and three rails of cocaine. Well, you know, you can and it was die. twice as bad as you that. can die from food poisoning like weeks later. So well, here I am. Might, it's been two you weeks. could die at any moment. I'm just saying you have like two weeks left until we know that you're not going to die from this. I was okay. You know, the my the worst part about it was that I couldn't eat my favorite thing in Amsterdam, which is that apple tart. But mm, well, that's tart. we have a whole that's a different story in a different time. Well, I have to say I'm not sorry I missed this part of the trip, although the rest of it sounds fabulous. Yeah, well, it did. It, you know what spurred me? I dropped a couple pounds, and I thought, you know what, this is the perfect post-holiday like diet. And I didn't eat mm-hmm. any food for 48 hours. You heard it here, folks. Mm-hmm. First, if you want to lose weight after the holidays, don't exercise, don't go to a gym, yeah. don't drink bone broth, just eat something terribly mm-hmm. rancid. Take it from Breton, fly in a plane. Yeah, exactly. And look at you now. You're ama- you look, by the way, you look amazing. Breton, this morning, you know. he, he texts me, he goes, um, just so you know, I think you should dress nicely for today's first episode. And so I took him seriously. Now I'm draped in fur and pleather I, from I, I showed up with a mink hat. And a, Breton showed up with a mink hat. He and, looks amazing. And I have a poncho that was once owned by Jessica Beale's brother that I bought in Denver. My mother always used to say, Zara, dress for the job that you want. And so today I'm dressed as though the job that I want is a Ukrainian sex worker. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually going to say, you do kind of look like you. It's the bright red lipstick. And when I saw you, there was a little smudge on her tooth. And I said, oh, it's like you have just a smudge on your, I'd be a really good gigolo. Wait, is it gigolo or? No, no. A gigolo is like a male prostitute, which I think you would be a male sex worker, which I think you'd be good at too. Now I'm just, yeah, exactly. So, well, I didn't go anywhere over the holidays, really. I stayed. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about your what you cooked and what you I stayed in and I'm you know holidays as we mentioned in our episode pre-holidays all the things we're hypothesizing about were kind of true about Mm -hmm. it being difficult during the holidays um I forever anyone who listens to this podcast or doesn't my dad died last year okay just our two moms still dead (laughs) (laughs) still dead has not risen a year later um year later still dead um but anyway, it was kind of hard this year, so I kind of threw myself into work and cooking projects and doing stuff that he would have done, and you know, I, get right it into really right? Did, it cooking, helped me get through it. Cooking as therapy. Yeah. 
I've always said that. Yeah, I've cooking that. is good therapy. And he was a cook, and he made some things that were really special. So I kind of did that. And then bing, bang, boom, here we are. The holidays are over. And I normally don't say, like, oh, God, thank God the holidays are over. No, but, God. oh, my, I couldn't possibly have taken another minute of <laughs> January 6th. <laughs> but, the Three um, Kings Day, I wouldn't. It's been... <laughs> my mom's birthday is January 6th. And so we did some fun stuff. And we of went to Keens. We went to Bavette. We saw the Broadway play Network starring Brian Cranston, who... Excuse me, Brian Cranston, are you listening? Call me. Did you bring you baby? Better did than you bring ever. gifts to the from the Holy Magi to Jesus Christ? Um, I had sent them in the mail. Oh, and, oh your um, mom's Jewish. I got a tracking da- a number, but I don't think they've arrived to Jesus yet. Jesus, if you're listening, call me. Um, He's just a disciple. But some uh, some fun things happened uh, last year. To you were mentioning to me this like really funny story about last year about a party you had worked. Oh my god. Oh. Which I felt I was like, tell it on the podcast and then go tell it to the mountain. Tell it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Well, this reminds me. Ah, yes, there it was. It was the, it was the beginning of 20. What it was last year? Uh, 1998. Oh, I know. It was 2018. I know because this year is 2019. Mm. So that makes sense. You just if minus you just the one. Minus one. It's yeah. super easy. There you um, are. Also, I'm really nervous about 2020, which I'm already starting to prepare for because. Well, 2020. I don't want... Yeah. It's just a big thing. Are you nervous because you watched Bird Box? Well, don't... <laughs> I'm never going to repeat the word Bird Box. It was the, I watched it last <laughs> night. It was a waste of my life. Don't... And that's... Uh, stop there. Fine. So last year, fine. there was a fabulous... So I was... Uh, we were broke last... Oh, I was broke again last year. It was Work was a little tough for me last year. Okay. I started freelancing... And as and that just meant I didn't do anything for mm-hmm. like two months. You did everything for free. I defaulted on my credit cards. I've like maxed everything out. I was like freelancing. It's working out great. <laughs> I was like, you know, if you just stop paying your American Express bill, it's kind of goes away. Temp- it's free temporarily. I found out <laughs> they taunt you down, but they made me a really sweet offer, so it's super awesome, and we're friends again. But this <sighs> gentleman that I ran into because we were drinking, we were drunk on New Year's Eve, mm. and I'd mention, oh, I do in-home parties, I cater, I cook, you know, I'll throw you a party. And somebody heard that, and somebody knew me, because it's this bar called Brooklyn Social, which is in Brooklyn, it's my favorite bar. And so they called me, and they said, hey, this guy wants somebody to do his going-away party, and here's the deal. The guy needs a... Uh, he wants it Russian-themed, because he wrote a book about Russia and solving world peace when he was a child and almost died from brain cancer, but this is the anniversary of being alive. Wow! And he got divorced. So I was like, "Wait, first a, of all, first of all, there's a, a lot of first of all, there's a lot of themes." I was like, "So, do you want me?" <laughs> so hold is on, it a brain second. cancer <laughs> themed? Is it Russian themed? Yeah. Is it like Donald Trump themed? Okay. Well, interestingly enough, I found out that all these things he want he was like, "I want blinis. I want Russian." You know, we, he couldn't afford expensive caviar. If you're listening, I wish you would have done that because I told you. But he did get lots of cured. <laughs> cured salted fishes and mm-hmm. salmon rows and all fun stuff. So I made blinis. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time making them? Uh, it was my well, first time making them. Long time Okay, eater. so this eater. is a classic cooking error. Let's get on the subject of cooking. Uh, the one thing that you really learn from... If, if you're working at a restaurant as a cook, right, you can... You usually have specific tasks, right? Mm-hmm. So you maybe you're doing prep work for such and such. So you get a list... Right, or if you have a catering, if you're a prep cook, you're like, hey, you need to chop onions. This, prep the, uh, I don't know what, 
The who's and what's. Let's just say Brussels sprouts because that's the theme of. Wash this cucumber for yeah. six hours. That was the theme of twenty teens. Yes. Brussels sprouts. Oh, have you heard? They're like tiny, tiny cabbages. Oh, the, oh, I really love them. You feel like a giant popping so, a whole cabbage in your mouth. Anyway, so there I was. Uh, I I'm like, oh my gosh, you really got to plan ahead for all these things, you know. So I decided to make this yeast. It was like a blini. It's like a okay. First of all, let's get down to brass tacks here. Hey kids, who knows what a blini is? Okay. I don't, Uncle Brett, and I've, I've okay. never heard of it. It's a small pancake. That's it. It's a small pancake. Okay. It's Russian, so uh, often they're made with buckwheat flour. Uh, and for those of you that are listening, buckwheat is neither a grass nor is it related to wheat. Don't even get me started. It's actually most closely related to sorrel and rhubarb. What? Are you shocked? Yeah, you I'm, don't even know. It stumped you. I'm not only shocked, I'm flabbergasted. So it's a it's a grain, right? And it was introduced at some point to Russia. Oh. <laughs> have you heard of that? Russia? Yeah, have you heard of it? You might have on the news lately. because. Uh, yeah, I heard that's where I'm from now. Yeah. Well, the red scare is not over, apparently. <laughs> it's just beginning. Yeah. Boo! Red, white, house. <laughs> so anyway, so check this out. So I made some blinis, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I tried two different recipes, and they were yeasted, and I, ugh, this was only after I dropped the Junior's Cheesecake, which he had, ugh. This was an experience for you. So anyway, so I'm experience. making the blinis, and I, and I discover they were kind of gooey. It's a very strange batter. You yeast some flour and, you know, some classic things, and then, uh, and then you add some whipped egg whites hmm. to kind of thick it up, and then you make tiny little pancakes, and I, I, it said, well, just spoon them onto the pan. I've made pancakes, and balenses, and, and, Crepes. All, crepes and all those things. I'm a pro, but practically. And they were the most oblong, strange-looking things. Now, Zara, what am I holding in, in my hand here? Well, they look like tiny purple pancakes, but yes. I know that they're bellinis. These are bellinis. My new and improved recipe, and I hadn't made them for a year, but I learned from my mistakes, and I just decided to add some more milk. I was like, just thin the batter out, and then I just poured it. It was perfect. Yeah, your regular old smarty pants. <sighs> So they look beautiful. Yeah, I don't know what else. I don't know where else to go. But you made these bellinis last year, and you told me that you brought a hundred of them to the party, and they all got gobbled up by the first ten guests in about. Let me tell five you minutes. something. So the 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 host says, the client says, "Hey, there'll be about twenty to twenty five people." So in my head, I'm thinking, well, a silver dollar pancake for dinner. Plus, there was tons of other food. Yeah, don't that wasn't the only thing. I'm like, well, if everybody has four. And some people have two and some people have six. That averages up to four, right? Yeah. So I'll make 100. And plus, they're kind of a pain to make small pancakes. So I make 100. The first hour, ev- they're gone. And the, the client's like, we're, we're, we need more bellinis. I'm like, that's it. I put yeah. all 100 bellinis out onto the platter. Yeah, that's something you can't just like whip up more I mean, either. now I know if I ever do a Russian theme party again, which you never know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if you ever do a Russian yeah, if you're listening and you want a Russian theme party I am a <laughs> true pro now well that's very interesting that um, you happen to be talking about Russian themed parties and bellinis it's so curious because this week's topic happens to be about that's right caviar it's all very high society did you know that in denver there's these joints if you go to a weed store i'm sure other places have them this is when i start to age myself it's like there's this thing called marijuana i haven't heard of it he's been smoking no it's a caviar joint and they take all different kinds of marijuana and they together yeah they put the oil and the paper and they roll the so it's like 
keef and weed and all the oh, stuff, wow. and then you smoke it and you get totally wasted. I'm not into that. I have to be honest with you. I'm what we used to call in high school. Every everyone we called in high school is kind of like a, a dingbat. We called them reg lovers, mm-hmm. and I'm still a reg lover. I just prefer like regular like reg weed. I just learned what the word reg meant this last summer yeah, from, from a 22 year old. We used to like tease that. <laughs> we'd be like, "Ugh, you're gross. You smoke regs. I said, you mean classic marijuana? What are you talking about? No, I love regs. Who needs to be like feeling like they're on acid trip anytime you yeah. want to like smoke weed. But All anyway, right. we're talking about caviar today, Sorry, guys. I get distracted. The highs and lows of caviar, the ins and outs. It's strange. It's fishy. It's little. It's smelly. Some people like it. Some people hate it. Some people feel kind of whatever about it. Like me. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, here's the thing. Can you tell us a little bit about caviar? Well, first of all, darling, caviar comes from a fish called the sturgeon. Now, traditionally, caviar comes from the Caspian and Adriatic Seas. And the actual word caviar, which who knows where it comes from, but there's some arguments whether it was from Turkish origin or Greek origin... I don't actually really even care about that because that's, I mean, yeah. you could just keep going. Out. Like, where does the letter C come from? Who invented that? Was it Russian or was it Greek or was it a Roman origin? So caviar is pretty fabulous. And uh, the sturgeon fish. So first of all, I, I wanted, I kept going and I was like, oh, there's so many layers, layers. Life has lots of layers. It's like an onion. And, yeah. But uh, the Caspian Sea is a saltwater sea, but it has a lower salinity level than say the ocean. <laughs> than that other thing, the ocean. Uh, yeah. So some parts are very salty and some parts, you know, some parts are less salty. Mm-hmm. Over the years, damming and you know, um, environmental pollution has caused many of these giant sturgeons uh, to dissipate. Of course, so some of the fabulous old caviar. Anyway, let's get back to it. so sturgeon is a giant fish. Yeah, they're really they're okay. Mad so big. Let's put it this way: there was a couple of fish that were two, like over twenty five hundred pounds. Pounds like, uh, Yeah, yeah. Pounds is up to 2,900 females. They're, they can live up to 118 years old. They're old. Well, they're not, not anymore because we've it's killed old, them all. That's an old fish. So there's that. There's freshwater sturgeon, which um, I'll get to later. The, some, of the, some of the sturgeon come from the Great Lakes region, Lake Superior and Wisconsin and Minnesota and all that. Anyway, so it's a large fish, and basically they take it. And they get the mommy that's filled with eggs, and I don't think she has Ugh. she has tons of eggs, and sometimes only one little egg will survive. Are you so, serious? Yeah, so we shouldn't feel too badly about. Wait a minute, eggs. they'll wait, 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 hold the phone. So a whole when you see the sturgeon get like cut open on a, bo- a fishing boat, and there's like th- millions of eggs, one egg sometimes will potentially, yeah, not very many. So the survival really? of yeah, that's why they have so many. I mean, it makes sense, right? But a we giant- can eat all the ones that are. In it, basically. Yeah. Well, so one somebody gets that lucky fertile egg. Good for them. Oh, I get it. I thought you meant you could only like harvest like a single egg. No, no, no. So of course, so the tradition. This is okay. So people say, what's there's sort of three different. The main things you'll hear about caviar. Uh, what is it? Uh, Savruga, Cetra, and Beluga. Mm-hmm. But that just refers to the type of sturgeon. Let's not, you don't have to worry about it. But if you are at a fancy dinner party, your fancy restaurant, you're trying to in, impress your boss and be like, oh, yeah, I'm at him. You're like, Mr. Trump. I'm at the Russian tea room. Like, (laughs) oh, do you have the... First of all, Beluga was almost... I think it was illegal for a while, and then it was reintroduced by by Petrosian. What is it? Petrosian. Yeah, Petrosian. So... I was talking to our friend the this, other day, the other day, our friend Mary, yeah. about different kinds of caviar, and we were talking about beluga caviar, and she said with utter confidence, she said, oh, well, beluga caviar comes from beluga whales. And I said, excuse me, that's not true. And we had a tiny bit it of an argument about sturgeon. it. Until I pulled out the tiny computer that I have in my pocket, 
and Googled it uh, and proved to her, obviously. Exactly. So basically, you know, the the beluga was the most rare. And uh-huh. actually, they named the word beluga comes from, which meant white, like a white whale. And sometimes the white under, but yeah, the white underbelly of the sturgeon was similar. So they called it beluga caviar, Arr. blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Such, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was it. So basically, they take it out, and there's a the whole process. You know, they have to take the fish out. They have to perform a C-section and take out this oh, giant thing. You know, sometimes they're pounds and pounds and pounds. If, you know, if an animal's 2,000 pounds, you can, you can imagine how big the egg sac is. And... <laughs> that's it and then they have to they have people there like performing doctors and surgeons and tasters and people have masks on and they have to take it out it has to be fresh and has to be wrung through a tiny you know a sieve to make sure that they get the right ones and they have to taste it and just like a wine you know if a sommelier was there they'd be like oh these grapes suck these are good you know these eggs are good this one's like throw it out so (laughs) I'm just picturing like a bunch of like doctors with like with like caviar like stuck all in their teeth like it's this batch is fresh and it's like in their mustache. so now it's it is a salty thing because it's from the ocean but of course we think of it as very salty and because it's often cured with salt but they say they say uh, experts um fabulous experts who were that good caviar should not be too salty oh really so now often you'll serve caviar with on a mother of pearl spoon and this was just because the spoons of those days were often plated with silver i know mine are i'm sure yours are too at home if not please polish them now get back to me and the mother of pearl soon would not impart the metallic flavor when you serve it on to your blini. Well, oh, and you know what? It turns out that we have some high-priced caviar right here. Just kidding. Oh, we yeah. have some lumpfish caviar because we didn't want to spend $10,000 on a jar of caviar. Exactly. So we went to our favorite place, the Hotties. We got a thing of lumpfish caviar. Mm-hmm. Don't judge us. Breton made bellinis. Should we eat some of it? Yeah, let's put a bellini And I'm see gonna... how it tastes? No. So here's, I'm going to tell you right now, I know because we're, um, we just have a lot to talk about is that when you, when you have a caviar party, there's a couple books. When you do, not if you do. I went to Bonnie Slotnick's (laughs) cookbooks right over on, on second and second, I think. Uh, or is that the cock? No, it was Bonnie's. <laughs> sorry, Bonnie Slotcocks. Uh, Bonnie Slotnicks, and she she pulls out all these. I was like, Bonnie, I need give me vintage Russian things, caviar. She pulls out all these books, and there was a couple cool books that I kind of paged through. But uh, one of them said, you know, oh caviar must. If you're going to serve caviar, you must serve more tins than possibly imaginable, and have guests. You know, have them all over the place so that guests can spoon it, and they should vomit when they're done with it. What? Yeah. Oh well, my. hopefully that doesn't happen to us. Although well, the so next person in here might vomit because Breton did bring some chopped up egg and chopped onion. Chopped up. So when you chop up the egg, keep really the white and the fragrant. yolk separately. You know, steam your eggs. Please, if you're still hard boiling your eggs in a full thing of water, you haven't read the memo of 2015, which is you steam your eggs in a steamer basket. Shells come off great. Anyway, so you separate those, chopped onions, some creme fraiche, some chives, and then the buckwheat blinis. Mm, can you make me one, please? Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. What am am I, a servant? Yes, please. I am. Prepare me one. Um, I don't love caviar. Like, it's not my favorite. I also don't dislike it, and I like pretty much everything. Okay. It's never been a favorite. Now, if you look here, I'm using the back of my spoon, which is what a good cook will do. And then, let's, there you go. Oh, look at this. Oh, and a little creme fraiche. Let's, thank you I how's, that for, how's that for food styling I mean, excuse me it's, it's the worst looking thing you've ever no, seen no, in my life <laughs> oh I can hear the eggs popping from here lumpfish hmm. yeah lumpfish what did they do with the rest of the lumpfish that's what I want to know about it so I want to hear this is a very good bellini breton it's good right well it's while tang. we eat oh my um, god since like most people don't love the sound of chewing 
Should we take a break and hear a little bit from, uh, do a little commercial break, Rooney? Yeah, let's talk about how we're alive. When we come back, we'll be full and stuffed and asleep. Yes. This episode is presented by The Green Grape, a family of three businesses on Fulton Street committed to supporting small-scale farms, celebrating seasonality, and delighting our customers. Order local, pasture-raised meats and cheeses to pair with our selection of fine wines and spirits, and we'll deliver it to your door at no extra charge. From great local gifts to providing you all you need for a delicious meal, The Green Grape offers truly special and hard-to-find products created by New York's community of local makers. Support independent grocers and our site to learn more. Visit greengrape.com. That's green with an E. G-R-E-E-N-E-G-R-A-P-E.com. Oh my god! I am. I just went to the bathroom and I and I got rid of all the caviar. (laughs) Just like Bonnie Slotnick told you. Just like just like Bonnie Slotnick told me. Bonnie, we're listening. So I was researching about caviar. Oh yeah. Today and I came across the video. Tell me all about it. Um, there's a a video series on Vice called. Now I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called like the richest or something or. Something it's like, like that. The new, it's like the new, uh, it's like ho- my friend's a DJ. It's like there's a video series on Vice. Exactly. Everything. Um, but it's hosted by Two Chains, and one of his guests was Robin Leach. <gasps> Robin. <laughs> oh, Robin Leach. This is Robin Leach, and this is the lifestyles of the rich and famous. That's a like, little bit more Australian. I, well, I just went to Ireland, so I'm, my accent. So you're, you're just like all over the place. Exactly. It was a good try, though, but I expect, uh, let's practice it. <laughs> Well, I thought it was Robin Leach. <laughs> I'm Robin Leach. Um, so it was Robin Leach months before he died, and they were which is recently, he, right? It was in August. He was gigantically fat, and Two Chains and him didn't really get along. Surprisingly enough, one because Rob, I don't know. I'm going to actually refrain from saying what I was just going to say. It was a judgment against Robin Leach, but he they were kind of fighting, and Two Chains wanted to put mm-hmm. syrup and butter on the Bellinis. And Robin Leach was like not having it, and then he kept two chains kept what? like who cares two ke- two chains kept teasing him. He's like, "You're eating a lot of Bellinis, man. You're like really shoving your face with caviar." And Robin Leach is like, "I'm a bola." <laughs> okay, it was very awkward. Well, but, Robin, uh, R.I.P. Slightly disappointed. R.I.P. Um, it did lead me to the story that I want to tell today. Mm-hmm. Kind of relating. To, I mean, it's very much relating to caviar, um, and it's about Robin Leach. So, hmm. caviar. Uh, he was such a figment of like. I grew up in the eighties, and I just he was so eighties. So, I just want that. I want that. Yeah, I mean, 
he really embodied this like weird opulence that came about in the 1980s. Michael so, Jackson. Michael Jackson. All kinds of other things. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos earlier about Robin. Oh, Leach. yeah. Me too. I've got leech on the brain. I've mm. been leeched. So in like the late 1800s and the early 1900s, caviar was at a point in America where it was being served in bars. I read about yeah, that. Yeah, because a lot of the domestic caviar that was coming from the Great Lakes. They had so much. Wisconsin, Bretton's God's home the state. The Hudson Valley, Wisconsin, you're right. Yeah, Delaware. Um, and what they were doing was they were shipping American caviar to Europe and having it sent back and relabeled as Russian. So in Are the year... You... I'm not kidding. In the imposter year... Imposter 19... caviar. Imposter. Sneaky imposter caviar. If you like obsession, you'll love our imposter fragrances. <laughs> like, it smells like caviar. I know. <laughs> so, ninety percent of the caviar in nineteen hundred in the United States was actually from the United States, but it was had been sent out and imported. So they we put, were importing they put like it back. a backwards R in it, like yes. caviar backwards. And exactly. Like, Whoa, it's Russian. Ooh. So this is around the time when the caviar boom happened, right? So then you like go Gatsby, and everybody's just filling their gullets with fish eggs. Yeah. They're everywhere. Caviar this, caviar that, caviar toilet paper, caviar face wash. Can't get <laughs> enough of yeah. caviar. Caviar. I'll have a side of caviar with the caviar. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, can you do a caviar float? Do you guys have uh, ca- do you guys have some gluten free caviar? <laughs> um, I have the caviar bowl, please, and oh, like a caviar toast. Cool. Um, but like instead of caviar, can I have caviar? <laughs> so fast forward to everyone's favorite decade, the 1980s. 20- I was going to say the 1990s. Come on, <laughs> the okay. 1980s, the okay, decade. Well, clearly, we're dubbed, never going to get along. Dubbed the decade of greed. Ever seen the movie Wall Street? Baby boom. Great greed is good. Yep. That's where people were at, right? So we enter the 1980s with that kind of with that kind of MO. Fast forward again to the year 1984. Popular food and drink. We've got tab pouring. <laughs> the tab is flowing like wine. Tab. Cool Ranch Doritos. Tortellini salad with broccoli, raw broccoli and feta cheese. Oh, is God, trending. you're right. Real hard. Totino's yeah. pizza rolls make a impact oh, on the Oh, my God. Tombstone pizza was... Uh, don't even drumsticks oh god we need to do an episode that's about shitty pizza like shitty frozen i already wrote a town okay good exactly uh moving forward uh the most popular records purple rain born in the usa ronald reagan is president the average rent is 350 dollars a month bacon is 169 a pound wow how much was gas uh gas was about a dollar something a pound so bacon is more expensive than gas at this point that is very strange often often the case the kids are watching ghostbusters terminators Gremlins, and most importantly, I was born in 1984. You're not. Yep, my birthday is in two weeks. Everybody send a present to Bretton's house. 1981. <laughs> yeah, give me up. Uh, does this I don't look know. Like I a 1981 you... face. Look, there's not a wrinkle on this motherfucker. Look at this. Right, look at my well, side profile. I don't know about you. I don't have a single or married gray hair. Um, also in 1984, a little-known show called Lime Styles of the Rich, Rich and, and Famous. famous. Starring Robin Leach. Starring right. your favorite <laughs> character from Great Britain, Robin Leach. Anyway, so Robin Leach starts this show. Um, he had a long career. He had actually started being in journalism at age 10. He was the youngest reporter ever for the Daily Mail. He just always wanted to be a reporter. And he always he was fascinated with celebrity and wealth. So he becomes the host of the show, Lifestyles of Rich and Famous. The tagline, as everybody knows, champagne wishes and... <laughs> Champagne wishes and caviar dreams. And he screams at a fever pitch. He's frantic. He's crazy. And when I was reading about it, he was saying that he wanted to be basically a human headline. 
So because he's like, oh, the headlines are always in caps. I want to speak in all caps. So he was very intense on purpose. So they would have people on like Mike Tyson, Lady Diana, Adnan Khashoggi, who uh, just sidebar is the arms dealing billionaire uh, and uncle to Jamal Khashoggi. He was the murder journalist from the Wall Street Journal. How about that? I just watched an hour long episode in which they highlighted him on Lifestyles Rich and, and, rich and Famous. Um, so he's obviously highlighting wealth. He's obsessed with it. He's crazed. Oh, now we have... Uh, God, it's a perfect storm, wasn't Brooke it? Brooke Shields. He, like, was upset. Everything was Brooke Shields, this and that. Bro- Ever wonder how she keeps her perfect figure and her wavy brown hair and her tight I'm little like, ass? I'm well, a- she eats ce- a diet of celery sticks and cocaine. I waited at um, Brooke Shields uh, at table 29 at Lupa. Really? She was fabulous. She was so nice. This uh, is she, in, she in the year lovely. 2006. She seemed lovely. Um... So he coined the term. So he does the show, and then he goes on from there to coin the term uh, celebrity chef. So he claims he coined that term that ruined everything about cooking, basically. And then he helped start the Food Network, and he was one of the first people to be on the Food Network. And he had a show, really, yeah, where he it was basically a weird call-in show. It kind of seemed like an infomercial, but he would do strange things like put on funny glasses and. It was very strange, and it is hmm. almost impossible to find any footage of this on the internet. Uh, listeners out there, please call us. Send uh, send your Robin Leach videos that we don't have to Life's a Banquet Show at gmail.com, please. Mm, I'm gonna have to check Vimeo. Um, it's very hard to find, but so anyway, uh, he helped start this. Uh, also on uh, the early just sidebar on Food Network, the early stars Donna Hanover, who is this is all part of. It going all the way to the top. This is a conspiracy yeah, yeah, yeah. Epithode, episode. <laughs> this is the conspiracy. This is a conspiracy episode. <laughs> I'm Richard Nixon now. Yeah. Um. But Donna Hanover, who I actually did an event with one time, who was the ex-wife of Rudy Giuliani. Oh wait, we were. I did that yes, event with you. Was one of the she first. Was, hosts. She was supposed to be our paired celebrity. And she just wandered off. She goes, She's oh, like, darling, oh, hello, and then wandered darling, off. Darling, I'm a chef. And then she popped back over. She's like, look, look at what I made. The ne- agri- yeah. agri- what's an agri dude? An uh, agri duty? I'm like, no, an agri dolce, <laughs> you ding dong. Yeah, never to be heard Sweet from again. Sweet and sour, just like your. Anyway, yep. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she wandered Stop into the Stop me there, abyss, sisters. And we've never heard from her again. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, during Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, right? I can't believe she was a food. I know. The whole thing is really just enough. Don't get me started. So Robin Leach started, not only did he really contribute to this whole uh, kind of aspirational thing about Mm -hmm. food, I mean, particularly with the tagline using caviar wishes, uh, I'm sorry, caviar dreams, champagne wishes and caviar dreams. Mm. He started I ate more caviar right when you said that. I'm trying to make this connection here of how he started tying food to being aspirational. Right. And then he also started reality television and he also started television about kind of nothing. And so then after that, in the Which 90s, reality television. you have Cribs. Right. And then you have shows like Keeping Up with the Kardashians and you have The Simple Life. And then unfortunately, in 2010, don't say it. You have The Apprentice. Don't say it. You said it. Now, also in 1994, Donald Trump appears on uh, Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with then wife, uh, Marla Maples at Mar-a-Lago. Oh, that's his first wife. To talk about how he thinks his one-year-old daughter will have a nice rack someday and has nice legs. A fucking one-year-old. Well, she does. Says has nice legs. Well, he was right, I guess. I mean, <laughs> so anyway, Robin Leach remained a staunch Trump supporter he until he died. That, uh, 
That's so crazy. He said his daughter had nice legs. Now, where I'm going with this is that years later, The Apprentice goes on the air in 2010. Mm-hmm. Culture uh, surrounding worshiping rich people, yep. caviar, champagne, money, billionaires, big houses, people who essentially do nothing and are not good morally. Hoarders. Then this person becomes the president because people idealize him because of his wealth. He was given a lot of airtime on things. He was in the... He was with Michael Jackson in the intro for Lifestyles of the Rich I know. I watched it. So the point I'm trying to make now is that caviar, from its humble beginnings when it was served in saloons as basically trash food, somehow became aspirational through supply and demand and sneakily sending it off pretending that it was Russian and then sending it back to America, driving the price up. And now it's essentially why Donald Trump is president. And we think we're fabulous because we're sitting here with Blaney. Well, I have to say, I like I'm to drawing like the, the salt factor. I that, think it's an interesting parallel. I think it's, I think it makes sense. It's very strange. Well, I'm going to reclaim caviar to this day today for the Democrats. Are, yes, for the <laughs> Democrats. So starting to now, everybody, those of you that are fabulous, and by the way, it can be salmon roe, it can be something else salty. Yeah. Uh, well, let's give that in our tip. Well, should we talk about our chef recommends about how to enjoy caviar on a on a budge? Yeah. You know. Okay. Now, what I just ate here, since it's very fresh on my palate, actually, oh, yep, I just had it, is that it's salty, mm. and well, even though it's good caviar, it shouldn't be salty, but you, it has the texture, but really, I think what's fun about about the, the, serving the whole thing is the, the condiments and the blinis, mm. like, that's the fun part, right? Mm-hmm. So you could buy some salmon, some, what is it salmon called? Salmon roe? Like, they call it ikura, right? Yeah. It's not that expensive. It's not. Salmon roe is a good good option. I also enjoy, if you want to just have fun, there's wasabi caviar that's available. You can get it. Russ and Daughters, it's delicious. One time I got a bagel from Russ and Daughters with the wasabi caviar on it. I dropped it on the ground. It fell kind of in a puddle. I picked it up and ate it anyway because I had waited so long to get it. I've done that. And then I got food poisoning from it because I ate something out of a puddle. So, but yeah, using different alternatives to just, you know, really fine caviar. I mean, the thing we just got, it's a big jar. It's pretty tasty and it was $9. You know what? You don't want caviar? Go get yourself some thinly sliced smoked salmon. Some like, basically you want the salt factor, right? Or botarga. Oh, botarga. Oh my God. Uh, Can you tell a botarga story and then we'll... we'll... (laughs) uh, Very quickly. So I was at a Christmas party two years ago. I'm the only guest. Not cooking. You were a guest. I was a guest. The only other, I didn't know anyone there, and there was nobody there. I was the first guest, except for a very famous comedian, recently got in trouble for masturbating in front of people. His name rhymes with Michael Buble. Um, Louis Schlichle. And so him and I are the only two guests there. Uh, when you're the first guest at a party, you're supposed to chat with people. He, I was like, so what do you do? Completely ignored me. He started tearing through this beautiful buffet that had been set up in front of us, mm-hmm. chomping down salamis, basically biting out of wheels of cheese while I'm looking at the he. books on the shelf. He's completely ignoring me. For some reason, the host of the party had put out a chunk of botarga, which is cured uh, it's fish, a big salted cured block. mullet yep. row. It's kind of like caviar, but cured together. And for some reason, this was on the table of antipasti. That looks like a stick of red butter, right? He cuts off, yes. He cuts off a chunk, almost half the piece, puts it in his mouth, and chews it and swallows it. So anyone who's ever had Botarga out there, you will understand how disgusting that it is. It tastes like reduced salt. It's crazy. And I was like, you know what? You got what you deserved for many reasons. So, Breton, quickly before we have to wrap up, what mm-hmm. are your top three places in the city or elsewhere to enjoy caviar? Okay. Do you remember that place? And unfortunately, I hate to say to recommend closed places. Do you remember Pravda? No. It was in, I think it was called Pravda. It was in near, it was in Soho. And 
it was just like this fabulous Russian place. You'd go get your chilled vodka and mm. cover. That was a fun place. Uh, and then I love, obviously, the Russian tea room. That, yeah. I mean, right. And probably mm-hmm. my third place, you know what? I hate to blanket a statement, but anywhere that they serve a seafood tower, yes. most places will have the, a caviar, like, addition. Like Balthazar. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Just go, that, to me, that just screams New York. And Totally. Uh, if you feel like spending that much money. Unfortunately, I only do it when I'm on clients' accounts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, fortunately for me, unfortunately for them. What about you? My number three is the, uh, casually. I like to get. I love Shelskis. Shelskis is Shelsky's one of my in very Brooklyn. Fr- and shout out to Peter Shelsky, friend go, of the go, show. Go, Google it. Wonderful human. Um, I love going in there and getting special stuff for holidays. They always have like little jars of nice caviar near the holidays. Um, of course, number two would have to be um, Russ and Daughters Cafe. Or of Russ course, daughters, yes. But going in the Russ, Lower East Side. In, amazing. In, in the Lower East Manahattan. Side. Yep. In the Isle of And Manhattan. what's your number one? My number one, you already said it, is the Russian Tea Room. Well, we tied then. I think we should go there right now. I think we should. Right? We've already polished off a bottle of champagne. I smeared caviar all over my leather skirt. Um, I now smell like you, Ukrainian the sex The entire worker. radio studio smells like chopped scallions and egg yolks. I can't <laughs> wait for the next show. <laughs> well, well, welcome. Here we are. We just left the studio smelling like a rotten egg. Well, it turns, like, turns out caviar is glamorous. <laughs> Guys, Breton. Yeah? This was fun. What a fabulous, what? wonderful thing, right? Cheers. And thank you to Heritage Radio Network for having us. We're so happy to be here. It's lovely. And thank you for listening. And for I'm just glad we can us. drink. I know. I mean, the, the our old studio boss was so rigid. I know. Um, we used to be able to smoke weed, but I guess we can't smoke inside. <laughs> but it's not because of the weed. It's because of the smoking thing. Yeah. So anyway, thank Don't you do very drugs, much. Don't do drugs, kids. So listen, go make yourself some bellinis. Check out our Instagram page. It's Life's a Banquet podcast, mm-hmm. right, on Instagram. There, you know, you can find out all of our stories and all of our information about the blinis we made and the caviar that we bought. And we'll just keep posting all kinds of stuff so you can stay tuned and stay in the know with Life's a Banquet. And please, also, if you want us to keep buying expensive, fancy things on someone else's dime, donate to our Patreon page and email us. We want to read some of your emails and questions on air and do some call-ins at Life's a Banquet show at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. Again, this is Breton Scott and Zara Stangora. Hasta la pasta. Ciao. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.